15. TFC took any three baskets in a line in the eight possible directions there would always be the same number of plums. This part of the puzzle is easy enough to understand, but what follows seems at first sight a little queer. The merchant told one of his men to distribute the contents of any basket he chose among some children, giving plums to every child so that each should receive an equal number, but the man found it quite impossible. No matter which basket he selected and no matter how many children he included in the treat, showed, by giving contents of the nine baskets, how this could come about. 410. The Mandarin's Tea Puzzle. Before Mr. Beauchamp Colmont Daily Marjorie Banks set out on his tour in the Far East, he prided himself on his knowledge of magic squares, a subject that he had made his special hobby, but he soon discovered that he had never really touched more than the fringe of the subject and that the wily China could beat him easily. I present a little problem that one learned Mandarin propounded to our traveler, as depicted on the last page. The Chinaman, after remarking that the construction of the ordinary magic square of 25 cells is too very much easy, asked our countrymen so to place the numbers 1 to 25 in the square that every column, every row, and each of the two diagonals should add up 65. With only prime numbers on the shaded T, of course the prime numbers available are 1, 2, 3, 5, 7, 11, 13, 17, 19, and 23. So you are at liberty to select any 9 of these that will serve your purpose. Can you construct this curious little magic square? 411. A magic square of composites. As we have just discussed the construction of magic squares with prime numbers. The following forms an interesting companion problem. Make a magic square with nine consecutive composite numbers the smallest possible. 412. The Magic Knight's Tour. Here is a problem that has never yet been solved, nor has its impossibility been demonstrated. Play the knight once to every square of the chessboard in a complete tour, numbering the squares in the order visited, so that when completed the square shall be magic, adding up to 260 in every column, every row and each of the two long diagonals. I shall give the best answer that I have been able to obtain, in which there is a slight error in the diagonals alone. Can a perfect solution be found? I am convinced that it cannot, but it is only a pious opinion. Mazes and how to thread them. In wandering mazes lost, paradise lost. The old English word, maze, signifying a labyrinth, probably comes from the Scandinavian, but its origin is somewhat uncertain. The late Professor Skeet thought that the substantive was derived from the verb, and as in old times to be amazed or amazed was to be lost in thought, the transition to amaze in whose tortuous windings we are lost is natural and easy. The word, labyrinth, is derived from a Greek word signifying the passages of a mine. The ancient mines of Greece and elsewhere inspired fear and awe on account of their darkness and the danger of getting lost in their intricate passages. Legend was afterwards built round these mazes. The most familiar instance is the labyrinth made by Daedalus in Crete for Kin Minos. In the center was placed the Minotaur, and no one who entered could find his way out again, but became the prey of the monster. Seven youths and seven maidens were sent regularly by the Athenians, and were duly devoured, until Theseus slew the monster and escaped from the maze by aid of the clue of thread provided by Ariadne, which accounts for our using today the expression, threading a maze. The various forms of construction of mazes include complicated ranges of caverns, architectural labyrinths, or sepulchral buildings, tortuous devices indicated by colored marbles and tiled pavements, winding paths cut in the turf, and topiary mazes formed by clipped hedges, 
As a matter of fact, they may be said to have descended to us in precisely this order of variety. Mazes were used as ornaments on the state robes of Christian emperors before the 9th century, and were soon adopted in the decoration of cathedrals and other churches. The original idea was doubtless to employ them as symbols of the complicated folds of sin by which man is surrounded. They began to abound in the early part of the 12th century, and I give an illustration of one of this period in the parish church at St. Quentin figure 1. It formed a pavement of the nave, and its diameter is 341 two feet. The path here is the line itself. If you place your pencil at the point and ignore the enclosing line, the line leads you to the center by a long route over the entire area, but you never have any option as to direction during your course. As we shall find in similar cases, these early ecclesiastical mazes were generally not of a puzzle nature, but simply long, winding paths that took you over practically all the ground enclosed. In the Abbey Church of St. Perlin, that St. Armour, is another of these curious floors, representing the Temple of Jerusalem, with stations for pilgrims. These mazes were actually visited and traversed by them as a compromise for not going to the Holy Land in fulfillment of a vow. They were also used as a means of penance, the penitent frequently being directed to go the whole course of the maze on hands and knees. The maze in Chart Cathedral, of which I give an illustration figure 2, is 40 feet across and was used by penitents following the procession of Calvary. A labyrinth in Amiens Cathedral was octagonal, similar to that at St. Quentin, measuring 42 feet across. It bore the date 1288, but was destroyed in 1708. In the chapter house at Bayou is a labyrinth formed of tiles, red, black, and encaustic, with a pattern of brown and yellow. Dr. Ducarl, in his tour through part of Normandy, printed in 1767, mentions the floor of the great guard chamber in the abbey of St. Stephen, that con, the middle whereof represents a maze or labyrinth about ten feet diameter, and so artfully contrived that, were we to suppose a man following all the intricate meanders of its volutes, he could not travel less than a mile before he got from one end to the other, then these mazes were sometimes reduced in size and represented on a single tile figure three, I give an example from Luca Cathedral, it is on one of the porch piers, and is 191 two inches in diameter. A writer in 1858 says that, from the continual attrition it has received from thousands of tracing fingers, a central group of Theseus and the Minotaur has now been very nearly effaced. Other examples were, and perhaps still are, to be found in the Abbey of Tusserts, at Calon-sur-Marne, in the very ancient church of St. Michel at Pavia, at Aen Provence, in the cathedrals of Poitiers, Rheims, and Ars in the Church of Santa Maria in Aquiro in Rome, in San Vitale at Ravenna, in the Roman mosaic pavement found at Salzburg, and elsewhere. These mazes were sometimes called, Clemens to Jerusalem, as being emblematical of the difficulties attending a journey to the earthly Jerusalem and of those encountered by the Christian before he can reach the heavenly Jerusalem where the center was frequently called, Seal. Common as these mazes were upon the continent, it is probable that no example is to be found in any English church, at least I am not aware of the existence of any, but almost every county has, or has had, its specimens of mazes cut in the turf, though these are frequently known as, Ms. Mazes, or, Mys Mazes, it is not uncommon to find them locally called, Troy Towns, Shepherd's Races, or, Julian's Bowers, names that are misleading, as suggesting a false origin from the facts alone that many of these English turf mazes are clearly copied from those in the continental churches, 
and practically all are found close to some ecclesiastical building or near the site of an ancient one. We may regard it as certain that they were of church origin and not invented by the shepherds or other rustics, and curiously enough, these turf mazes are apparently unknown on the continent. They are distinctly mentioned by Shakespeare, the nine men's morris is filled up with mud, and the quaint mazes in the wanton green for lack of tread are indistinguishable. A Midsummer Night's Dream, the I. 1. My old bones ache, here's a maze trot indeed, through forthrights and meanders, the tempest, the I. 3. There was such a maze at Comerton, in Cambridgeshire, and another, locally called the Miss Maze, that Lee, in Dorset. The latter was on the highest part of a field on the top of a hill, a quarter of a mile from the village, and was slightly hollow in the midland enclosed by a bank about three feet high. It was circular, and was thirty paces in diameter. In 1868 the turf had grown over the little trenches, and it was then impossible to trace the paths of the maze. The Comerton one was at the same date believed to be perfect, but whether either or both had now disappeared I cannot say nor have I been able to verify the existence or non-existence of the other examples of which I am able to give illustrations. I shall therefore write of them all in the past tense, retaining the hope that some are still preserved. In the next two mazes given that at Saffron Walden, Essex 110 feet in diameter, figure 4, and the one near Street ends well, that's named on Nottinghamshire figure 5, which was ploughed up on February 27th. 1797 51 feet in diameter, with a path 535 yards long the paths must in each case be understood to be on the lines, black or white, as the case may be, I give in figure 6 a maze that was at Alcboro, Lincolnshire, overlooking the Humber, this was 44 feet in diameter, and the resemblance between it and the mazes at Chart and Luca figures 2 and 3 will be at once perceived, a maze at Bottom Green, in Nottinghamshire a place celebrated at one time for its fair figure 7, was 37 feet in diameter. I also include the plan figure 8 of one that used to be on the outskirts of the village of Wing, near Uppingham, Rutlandshire. This maze was 40 feet in diameter. The maze that was on Street Catherine's Hill, Winchester, in the parish of Chilcombe, was a poor specimen figure 9, since, as will be seen, there was one short direct route to the center, unless, as in figure 10 again, the path is the line itself from end to end. This maze was 86 feet square, cut in the turf, and was locally known as the Mize Maze. It became very indistinct about 1858, and was then recut by the Warden of Winchester, with the aid of a plan possessed by a lady living in the neighborhood. A maze formerly existed on Ripon Common, in Yorkshire figure 10. It was plowed up in 1827, but its plan was fortunately preserved. This example was 20 yards in diameter and its path is said to have been 407 yards long. In the case of the maze at Theobalds, Hertfordshire, after you have found the entrance within the four enclosing hedges, the path is forced figure 11. As further illustrations of this class of maze, I give one taken from an Italian work on architecture by Serolio, published in 1537 figure 12, and one by London and Wise, the designers of the Hampton Court maze, from their book, The Retired Gardener. Published in 1706 figure 13. Also, I add a Dutch maze figure 14. So far our mazes have been of historical interest, but they have presented no difficulty in threading. After the Reformation period we find mazes converted into mediums for recreation, and they generally consisted of labyrinthine paths enclosed by thick and carefully trimmed hedges. 
These topiary hedges were known to the Romans, with whom the topiaries was the ornamental gardener. This type of maze has of late years degenerated into the seaside, puzzle gardens, teas, sixpence, including admission to the maze, the Hampton Court maze, sometimes called the wilderness, at the Royal Palace, was designed, as I have said, by London and Wise for William I.I., who had a liking for such things figure 15. I had before me some three or four versions of it, all slightly different from one another, but the plan I select is taken from an old guidebook to the palace, and therefore ought to be trustworthy. The meaning of the dotted lines, etc. will be explained later on. The maze at Hatfield House figure 16, the seat of the Marquis of Salisbury, like so many labyrinths, is not difficult on paper, but both this and the Hampton Court maze may prove very puzzling to actually thread without knowing the plan. One reason is that one is so apt to go down the same blind alleys over and over again. If one proceeds without method, the maze planned by the desire of the Prince Consort for the Royal Horticultural Society's gardens at South Kensington was allowed to go to a ruin, and was then destroyed no great loss, for it was a feeble thing. It will be seen that there were three entrances from the outside figure 17, but the way to the center is very easy to discover. I include a German maze that is curious but not difficult to thread on paper figure 18. The example of a labyrinth formerly existing at Pimpern, in Dorset, is in a class by itself figure 19. It was formed of small ridges about a foot high, and covered nearly an acre of ground, but it was, unfortunately, plowed up in 1730. We will now pass to the interesting subject of how to thread any maze, while being necessarily brief. I will try to make the matter clear to readers who have no knowledge of mathematics. And first of all we will assume that we are trying to enter a maze that island get to the center of which we have no plan and about which we know nothing. The first rule is this, if a maze has no parts of its hedges detached from the rest, then if we always keep in touch with the hedge with the right hand or always touch it with the left, going down to the stop in every blind alley and coming back on the other side, we shall pass through every part of the maze and make our exit where we went in. Therefore we must at one time or another enter the center and every alley will be traversed twice. Now look at the Hampton Court plan. Follow, say to the right, the path indicated by the dotted line, and what I have said is clearly correct if we obliterate the two detached parts, or islands, situated on each side of the star. But as these islands are there, you cannot by this method traverse every part of the maze, and if it had been so planned that the center was, like the star, between the two islands, you would never pass through the center at all. A glance at the Hatfield maze will show that there are three of these detached hedges or islands at the center, so this method will never take you to the center of that one, but the rule will at least always bring you safely out again unless you blunder in the following way. Suppose, when you were going in the direction of the arrow in the Hampton Court maze, that you could not distinctly see the turning at the bottom, that you imagined you were in a blind alley and, to save time, crossed at once to the opposite hedge. Then you would go round and round that U-shaped island with your right hand still always on the hedge forever after. This blunder happened to me a few years ago in a little maze on the Isle of Caldy, South Wales. I knew the maze was a small one, but after a very long walk I was amazed to find that I did not either reach the center or get out again. So I threw a piece of paper on the ground, and soon came round to it from which I knew that I had blundered over a supposed blind alley and was going round and round an island crossing to the opposite hedge and using more care, I was quickly at the center and out again, now, 
If I had made a similar mistake at Hampton Court, and discovered the error when at the star, I should merely have passed from one island to another, and if I had again discovered that I was on a detached part, I might with ill luck have recrossed to the first island again. We thus see that this, touching the hedge, method should always bring us safely out of a maze that we have entered, it may happen to take us through the, center, and if we miss the center we shall know there must be islands, but it has to be done with a little care, and in no case can we be sure that we have traversed every alley or that there are no detached parts, if the maze has many islands, the traversing of the whole of it may be a matter of considerable difficulty, here is a method for solving any maze, due to M. Tremo but it necessitates carefully marking in some way your entrances and exits where the galleries fork. I give a diagram of an imaginary maze of a very simple character that will serve our purpose just as well as something more complex figure 20. The circles at the regions where we have a choice of turnings we may call nodes. A. New, path or node is one that has not been entered before on the route, and old, path or node is one that has already been entered. 1. No path may be traversed more than twice. Two. When you come to a new node, take any path you like. 3. When by a new path you come to an old node or to the stop of a blind alley, return by the path you came. 4. When by an old path you come to an old node, take a new path if there is one, if not, an old path. The route indicated by the dotted line in the diagram is taken in accordance with these simple rules, and it will be seen that it leads us to the center. Although the maze consists of four islands, Neither of the methods I have given will disclose to us the shortest way to the center, nor the number of the different routes, but we can easily settle these points with a plan. Let us take the Hatfield Maze Figure 21. It will be seen that I have suppressed all the blind alleys by the shading. I begin at the stop and work backwards until the path forks. These shaded parts, therefore, can never be entered without our having to retrace our steps. Then it is very clearly seen that if we enter at A we must come out at P. If we enter at C we must come out at D then we have merely to determine whether A, B or C, D is the shorter route. As a matter of fact, it will be found by rough measurement or calculation that the shortest route to the center is by way of C, D, E, F. I will now give three mazes that are simply puzzles on paper. For, so far as I know, they have never been constructed in any other way. The first I will call the Philadelphia Maze Figure 22. Fourteen years ago a traveling salesman. Living in Philadelphia, USA developed a curiously unrestrained passion for puzzles. He neglected his business, and soon his position was taken from him. His days and nights were now passed with the subject that fascinated him, and this little maze seems to have driven him into insanity. He had been puzzling over it for some time, and finally it sent him mad and caused him to fire a bullet through his brain. Goodness knows what his difficulties could have been but there can be little doubt that he had a disordered mind, and that if this little puzzle had not caused him to lose his mental balance some other more or less trivial thing would in time have done so. There is no moral in the story, unless it be that of the Irish maxim, which applies to every occupation of life as much as to the solving of puzzles. Take things easy, if you can take them easy. Take them as easy as you can, and it is a bad and empirical way of solving any puzzle by blowing your brains out. Now. How many different routes are there from A to B in this maze if we must never in any route go along the same passage twice? The four open spaces where four passages end are not reckoned as passages. In the diagram figure 22 it will be seen that I have again suppressed the blind alleys. It will be found that, in any case, 
we must go from A to C and also from F to B but when we had arrived at C there are three ways, marked 1, 2, 3, of getting to D similarly, when we get to A there are three ways, marked 4, 5, 6, of getting to F, we have also the dotted route from C to E the other dotted route from D to F and the passage from D to E indicated by stars, we can, therefore, express the position of affairs by the little diagram annexed figure 23. Here every condition of root exactly corresponds to that in the circular maze, only it is much less confusing to the eye. Now, the number of roots, under the conditions, from a to beyond the simplified diagram is 640, and that is the required answer to the maze puzzle. Finally, I will leave two easy maze puzzles figures 24, 25 for my readers to solve for themselves. The puzzle in each case is to find the shortest possible route to the center. Everybody knows the story of Pharaoh's Amund and the Woodstock Maze. What the maze was like or whether it ever existed except in imagination is not known. Many writers believing that it was simply a badly constructed house with a large number of confusing rooms and passages. At any rate, my sketch lacks the authority of the other mazes in this article. My, Rosamund's Bower, is simply designed to show that where you have the plan before you it often happens that the easiest way to find a route into a maze is by working backwards and first finding a way out. The Paradox Party. Is not life itself a paradox? C-L-D-O-D-G-S-O-N. Pillow Problems. It is a wonderful age. Said Mr. Awgood. And everybody at the table turned towards him and assumed an attitude of expectancy. This was an ordinary Christmas dinner of the Awgood family with a sprinkling of local friends, nobody would have supposed that the above remark would lead, as it did, to a succession of curious puzzles and paradoxes, to which every member of the party contributed something of interest, the little symposium was quite unpremeditated, so we must not be too critical respecting a few of the posers that were forthcoming, the varied character of the contributions is just what we would expect on such an occasion, for it was a gathering not of expert mathematicians and logicians, but of quite ordinary folk. It is a wonderful age, repeated Mr. Awgood. A man has just designed a square house in such a cunning manner that all the windows on the four sides had a south aspect. That would appeal to me, said Mrs. Awgood, for I cannot endure a room with a north aspect. I cannot conceive how it is done, Uncle John confessed. I suppose he puts bay windows on the east and west sides, but how on earth can be contrived to look south from the north side? Does he use mirrors? or something of that kind, Mumber, replied Mr. Awgood, nothing of the sort, all the windows are flush with the walls, and yet you get a southerly prospect from every one of them, you see, there is no real difficulty in designing the house if you select the proper spot for its erection, now, this house is designed for a gentleman who proposes to build it exactly at the North Pole, if you think a moment you will realize that when you stand at the North Pole it is impossible, no matter which way you may turn, to a look elsewhere than due south. There are no such directions as north, east, or west when you are exactly at the North Pole. Everything is due south. I am afraid, mother, said her son George, after the laughter had subsided, that, however much you might like the aspect, the situation would be a little too bracing for you. But, well, she replied, your Uncle John fell also into the trap. I am no good at catches and puzzles. I suppose I haven't the right sort of brain. Perhaps someone will explain this to me. Only last week I remarked to my hairdresser that it had been said that there are more persons in the world than any one of them has hairs on his head. He replied, Then it follows, Madam, 
that two persons, at least, must have exactly the same number of hairs on their heads, if this is a fact, I confess I cannot see it, how do the bald-headed affect the question, asked Uncle John, if there are such persons in existence, replied Mrs. Augood, who hadn't a solitary hair on their heads discoverable under a magnifying glass, we will leave them out of the question, still, I don't see how you are to prove that at least two persons have exactly the same number to a hair, I think I can make it clear, said Mr. Filkins, who had dropped in for the evening, assume the population of the world to be only one million, any number will do as well as another, then your statement was to the effect that no person has more than 999,999 hairs on his head, is that so, let me think, said Mrs. Augood, yes yes that is correct, very well, then, as there are only 999,999 different ways of bearing hair, it is clear that the millionth person must repeat one of those ways, do you see, yes, I see that at least I think I see it, therefore two persons at least must have the same number of hairs on their heads, and as the number of people on the earth so greatly exceeds the number of hairs on any one person's head, there must, of course, be an immense number of these repetitions, but, Mr. Filkins, said little Willie Augood, why could not the millionth man have, say, ten thousand hairs and a half, that is near hair splitting, Willie, and does not come into the question, here is a curious paradox, said George, if a thousand soldiers are drawn up in battle array on a plane, they understood him to mean, plane, only one man will stand upright, nobody could see why, but George explained that, according to Euclid, a plane can touch a sphere only at one point, and that person only who stands at that point, with respect to the center of the earth, will stand upright, in the same way, he remarked, if a billiard table were quite leveled at island a perfect plane the balls ought to roll to the center, though he tried to explain this by placing a visiting card on an orange and expounding the law of gravitation, Mrs. Augood declined to accept the statement, she could not see that the top of a true billiard table must, theoretically, be spherical, just like a portion of the orange peel that George cut out. Of course, the table is so small in proportion to the surface of the earth that the curvature is not appreciable, but it is nevertheless true in theory. A surface that we call level is not the same as our idea of a true geometrical plane. Uncle John, broke in Willie Augood, there is a certain island situated between England and France, and yet that island is farther from France than England is. What is the island? That seems absurd. My boy, because if I place this tumbler, to represent the island, between these two plates, it seems impossible that the tumbler can be farther from either of the plates than they are from each other, but isn't Guernsey between England and France, asked Willie, yes, certainly, well, then, I think you will find, uncle, that Guernsey is about 26 miles from France, and England is only 21 miles from France, between Calais and Dover, my mathematical master, said George, has been trying to induce me to accept the axiom that if equals be multiplied by equals the products are equal. It is self-evident. Point doubt Mr. Filkins. For example, if three feet equal one yard, then twice three feet will equal two yards. Do you see? But, Mr. Filkins, asked George, is this tumbler half full of water equal to a similar glass half empty? Certainly, George. Then it follows from the axiom that a glass full must equal a glass empty. Is that correct? Mumber clearly not. I never thought of it in that light. Perhaps, suggested Mr. Augood, the rule does not apply to a liquids, 
Just what I was thinking. Ah good. It would seem that we must make an exception in the case of liquids, but it would be awkward, said George, with a smile, if we also had to accept the case of solids. For instance, let us take the solid earth. One mile square equals one square mile. Therefore two miles square must equal two square miles. Is this so? Well, let me see. Mumber of course not, Mr. Filkins replied, because two miles square is four square miles. Then, said George, if the axiom is not true in these cases, when is it true? Mr. Filkins promised to look into the matter, and perhaps the reader will also like to give it consideration at leisure. Look here, George, said his cousin Reginald Woolley, by what fractional part does four-fourths succeed three-fourths? By one-fourth, shouted everybody at once. Try another one, George suggested, with pleasure, when you have answered that one correctly, was Reginald's reply. Do you mean to say that it isn't one-fourth? Certainly I do. Several members of the company failed to see that the correct answer is one-third, although Reginald tried to explain that three of anything, if increased by one-third, becomes four. Uncle John, how do you pronounce T-O-O? Asked Willie. Two. My boy. And how do you pronounce T-W-O? That is also two. Then how do you pronounce the second day of the week? Well, that I should pronounce Tuesday, not Tuesday. Would you really? I should pronounce it Monday. If you go on like this, Willie, said Uncle John, with mock severity, you will soon be without a friend in the world. Can any of you write down quickly in figures 12,212 pounds? Asked Mr. Awkward, his eldest daughter, Miss Mildred was the only person who happened to have a pencil at hand. It can't be done, she declared, after making an attempt on the white tablecloth, but Mr. Augood showed her that it should be written. L13.212. Now it is my turn, said Mildred. I have been waiting to ask you all a question. In the massacre of the innocents under Herod, a number of poor little children were buried in the sand with only their feet sticking out. How might you distinguish the boys from the girls, I suppose? said Mrs. Awkward. It is a conundrum something to do with their poor little souls. But after everybody had given it up, Mildred reminded the company that only boys were put to death. Once upon a time, began George. Achilles had a race with a tortoise. Stop. George, interposed Mr. Awkward. We won't have that one. I knew two men in my youth who were once the best of friends, but they quarreled over that infernal thing of Zeno's and they never spoke to one another again for the rest of their lives. I draw the line at that, and the other stupid thing by Zeno about the flying arrow. I don't believe anybody understands them, because I could never do so myself. Oh, very well. Then, father, here is another. The post office people were about to erect a line of telegraph posts over a high hill from Termitville to a world, but as it was found that a railway company was making a deep level cutting in the same direction. They arranged to put up, 